0: Welcome to the new normal from Spotlight On, I'm your host Lawrence Purrier. Our guest today is Patrick Whalen, CEO of Backstage Productions, a global production services agency for concerts, tours, experiential marketing, corporate events, and live activations. Patrick brings a passionate point of view to the current circumstances, and I'm grateful to be able to share it with you here. If this conversation starts to sound like it's being had through two tin cans and a string, it's because Patrick and I are socially distancing in our respective treehouses, so please be tolerant. And enjoy our discussion. The most important question is, how are you and how are the people you care about and uh, the people in your world?
1: Wow. Uh, I I wish I had better answers for that. The answer is, is that I think we're all in the same boat, which is fear. I mean, I think that... Sorry, I'm going to adjust this for a little bit. Um, I think that, you know, we all got caught off guard as, as a world... But as an industry, we completely got caught off guard. And and what I mean by that is um, 2020, you know, according to statistics and interviews and press and just the interest in events and in concerts and tours was going to be the year. I mean, this was going to be the year. So our industry sometimes isn't the best at forecasting for gloom and doom days. And so with that, I think that some people were a little bit more overzealous in the way that they were preparing for 2020, meaning that they may have had some some expenses and some things that they were like, well, I've got this tour coming up, so maybe I could put the deck on the house or maybe I could move into a bigger apartment or maybe I can get a bigger car or whatever. And so there was a lot of that happened. And I also think that TEND is an industry not to be great with money. We, you know, As much as we make, a lot of the times we're making above – you know what the median income would be. You know, you know, making t- two to four thousand, and forget forgive me for those that are starting out that make five hundred to a thousand a week. But in general, we we get paid well for what we do, right? To not have a stockpile of money up or something for the rainy day accounts. I mean, I've always compared this industry to farming. You have banner years, you have mediocre years, and then you have the drought years where it just is is dry. And I think that as an industry as a whole, we are sometimes not always thinking about the drought years. And so what that does is that when even a little hiccup, not even a major hiccup happens, it puts us in in a, in a tough position. I mean, I, I lived through nine eleven as a company owner of a production company in Minneapolis that we owned audio and lighting. And I had, I don't know, 20 or 30 employees. And I remember sitting on my deck and I'm like thinking about how screwed I was. Not that we didn't have any money in a, in a slush fund. We had some, but we had no idea how long this was going to go on. I mean, we, you know, at the time we were doing quite a bit of events with Prince and with Promise Keepers and some Ted Nugent shows, and so we had some money that was sort of still coming in. But we, you know, we didn't know if it was going to be a month of no shows or three months. You know, this is a much bigger problem, and and the problem is is that even if the industry or even if the, the world recovered tomorrow, I mean, back to normal, everybody gets to go back to work. The financial damage and impact has already been done so that people aren't going to think about going to buy a Halsey concert ticket. They still will, some of them will, but the majority of people now are going to squirrel their money away because they're going to be in fear of the next one or, or what, you know, how are they going to, you know, sort of recoup because they haven't been working. So the expendable income, which is what we depend on as an entertainment industry, is no longer there. And it's not going to be there for a while. So even if the tour started tomorrow, which would be idiotic, but even if it did, it still wouldn't help our industry at all, because we're going to have a ramp up that's going to be long and slow. And I think that we all sort of, you know, talk amongst each other and, and see if we can outgloom and doom each other. You know, I mean, we we're as an industry, I, I think we're optimistic of the future. We have to be because otherwise we're going to have you know mental problems and, and, and social problems and economic problems. If we're if we're not in that mindset that we can recover from this, we can. The reality is is that I think it's six to you know months to a year before we're back to where we were even close to going into twenty twenty. And 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 you know, my friends uh, I check on quite often, as they do with me, and I think we're all nervous, you know, we're all scared of How long this is going to go on? How long is nothing going to happen? You know, and and we all keep signing these petitions to, you know, save the entertainment industry. But what what does that really mean when you get done signing these petitions? Because it works for film studios and it works for people that have paychecks, but there's a lot of independent contractors that are going to get skipped over. And that's going to be a huge problem. Sorry to be so long-winded about that. No, no, I I appreciate your perspective. To
0: dial back maybe uh, 50 or 100 feet, could you give uh, just a brief description of what exactly your business is? And I think that um, that'll provide some good context on your point of view.
1: So uh, I I started in 1986, so I'm a little bit younger than most. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Um, But uh, I've owned production companies. I've run production companies. I've worked for PRG, uh, currently, I've reincorporated a company I started when I was 18 called Backstage Productions. We're strictly a production services agency. We, we don't own any equipment other than work boxes and a few cable trunks and a lot of sandbags. And we are uh, primarily working in the corporate market. We do a lot of stuff w- with the VW products, so Volkswagen, Porsche, Audi. Um, we do some e-sports, and then we also do some touring um, in 2016, we did Kendrick Lamar, uh, you know, last year we helped out with another company doing tears for fears. We've done pentatonics. So we, we've got our, we've, we we kind of dabble in a little bit of everything. So we get to see both sides of it and both sides are pretty ugly right now. Yeah. I have a question for you. I, I spoke to someone else recently who has,
0: um, a business that has a, um, a business component. They, so a B2B component as well as a, a, a consumer side. And their anecdote was during the downturn in 2008, their consumer business actually came back a lot faster than their their B2B side. And um, you know, they had some opinion and some insight as to why that was true. But I wonder um, how you see that playing out um, on your end. Will touring or will live events that, that target ticket goers come back faster than
1: um, than than the corporate side of the business, yes or no? And if so, one hundred percent. I mean, it, you know, even if with nine eleven, you know, and uh, in, in going through that, people still want entertainment. They want to get the hell out of their life for two hours or, or whatever it's going to be, and forget about everything that they've been dealing with. That part of it is a hundred percent true. The touring side is going to come back faster. I think what's going to happen is it's going to be smarter. It's going to be smaller scale. I mean, you know, I mean, Taylor is probably still going to do a massive stadium tour, but maybe not. And and I think they're going to be more strategic about how they spend their money and what markets they're going into. And I think you're going to see more smaller venues, multiple dates, less production, smaller crews, that kind of thing, which should have, you know, I mean, in, for economic reasons, that should happen quite often anyway. I mean, it makes sense, you know, and and so, um, I think that that the touring side of it will will, will bounce back, you know, relatively quick. But I think it's going to be on a, on a much different scale than we've all seen before, and, and, and it has to be. And do I you oh, got it? I was going to say, do you think that, that that will be driven by the fact that people will
0: need a lower ticket price um, if they're going to if they're going to go out in the same numbers as before? So the artist and their partners can sort of control the scale of the production and therefore control the cost of the ticket. Um, what, what, what would drive the scale down in a production?
1: Well, I, I, I think, yeah, I think it's just the, the, the consumer spending habits are going to change. I mean, you know, right now people are, are worried about making sure they have enough toilet paper and food and, and that, you know, see that every day in the media. And I, and so coming back out of that, I think that there's going to be, you know, there discretionary, expendable spending <laughs> and I and I think what's going to happen is is that you're going to see people flock to the theaters because they're dying to get out of the house you're going to see people flock to the concert halls and to the clubs I think where it's going to get hit is I think that the large-scale tickets that haven't been purchased already or the rescheduled shows haven't been done I think those are going to be the ones that are going to get a little bit of a sting because. You know, spending $150 one hundred and fifty to five hundred or thousand dollars a ticket for something—that's a tough one to swallow. And I, I think that you know, the win would be really to get you know, if if I were to, to to put together the ultimate tour, I would say Google, I would say Tesla, and 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 you know, some of the bigger corporations come together with us. And help give back to the community, not only financially, but come in and sponsor one of these events so that the ticket costs can come down. And Ticketmaster, drop your service charge for the next 12 months as a thank you to all the fans that have supported you over the years. And AEG and Live Nation and C3, you know, make, make sure that you're aware of, of what's been done over the past to support your businesses and, and pay that back. And, and so it's not a monetary thing. It, it's maybe a deduction thing, maybe it's it's there's some some golden roll seats of families that have been affected by covid nineteen and maybe there's there's other ways you know i I can see a lot of different change for the positive and it just depends on how we come out of this as, as a society and whether that becomes something that is more greed and bottom line driven which it shouldn't be or if it if we come more as a community together and as an industry and and support all of the patrons that have supported those businesses for all these years.
0: Well, that's an interesting line of inquiry because that, that's something that has come up a lot in conversations, personal and professional, over the last few days, which is, you know, several uh, colleagues comment about, um, you know, working from home and how um, how pleasant it is for a lot of people who, you know, I, for me personally, um, I, I, basically live on an airplane, you know, I, I flew eight yeah, times last year. I was up to, I think 20 already this year. And, um, that's ground to a halt literally. And, you know, for, put aside you know, cabin fever and the fact that having done this my whole adult life, I get antsy. If I don't live out of a travel bag after a few weeks, I start, uh, I start getting a little cuckoo, but, um, you know, the other side of that is, um, I certainly see my loved ones a lot more. And I'm certainly able to, uh, I hope, be more present, uh, be a a more contributing member of my family. And I hear that from my colleagues that, you know, first of all, you don't have the time you're spending in your car commuting so that you're already somewhere else um, in a more productive way, either at your desk or at your dinner table. Um, But, you know, now you're home every night. And maybe you're putting the kids to bed or giving the bath or reading the story or sitting with your loved one by the fire or whatever it is that you weren't doing before Right. Um, that you knew mentally that you valued and you knew you liked to think you were doing that as much as you could, but now you actually have the time to do it. And I think the fascinating thing is going to be how much of this carries forward and how much is this actually going to contribute to a reshuffling of values Um will people demand that will workplaces accommodate that will companies come to see actually there's a real um, maybe there's a differentiator or a competitive advantage in some of this. And uh, I think that that's going to be an interesting dialogue to see if we have the time for that to evolve and uh, and sort of the will to, to, to explore some of that.
1: Well, I I think, I I think that's a hundred percent correct. And I, I said, and I, you know, I, I've always got to work out in my home office. As you can see back there, I got my little screens back there. So, um, so I, I, you know, when I'm not traveling, I am working out of home, and so I, I get a little bit of that. Not as much as most people do in in you know other industries, but you know, I think that the the touring market as a whole, just financially, once again, I think is going to ha- that's going to happen by default. I think that the tours are going to be shorter or they may do markets and then take a break so that people can recoup. I mean, you, you, you're, you're not going to be able to do multiple tours in the cities that we are currently doing. Meaning that, you know, look at Staples center and the forum and all the other outdoor venues we have and the Greek theater and the Hollywood bowl. Those are simultaneously running every single day in the summer with hundreds of bands in the clubs and the, in all the arenas and all the theaters and the palladium. And there's not enough money to support all of that going on at once. So I think by default, it's going to sort of curtail that a little bit. So it's going to be more market driven where people are going to be spending a little bit more time at home where you may not be doing a six or eight week tour. It might be just a two or three week run. They're going to let it cool down. Then they'll come back out. And and so that there's, there's still the demand, but it also gives time for people to recoup in their wallet to have that expendable income because now they're back to work so they, they, they still got to get the essentials they've still got to you know you got to remember we're, we're going to have a backlog of payments whether it's your house your mortgage your rent your car that are are, are being forgiven for now in air quotes but that that's still there and and that still got to get paid so you know i i have i have you know people and, and acquaintances that are in this position of they're not paying rent and they're not paying their car payments and they're being forgiven and they know most of them do that when this gets better everybody's going to come back with their hand out going okay we supported you for the last 90 days now it's time to make a payment plan with us that's going to affect it so that's why i'm talking about this taking a little bit longer is is that it's going to rebound but we still have past financial issues that we have to deal with as a society. And even if the government sent out massive checks, which they won't, it's still not going to be enough to get us back on track. So I, I think that by default, you're going to see smaller tours, so people will be spending more time at home. I don't think that you know the 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 society of our industry is going to change that drastically. I think that that I think what it's going to do is it's going to open up people's eyes to how important what they have at home is. And, you know, and sometimes we forget that by being on the road because we're, you know, after year three, you sort of turn into this little AI robot that just goes out and does the job and you call home and you're like, hey, how are you doing? Things are great. Okay, got to go, got to go do loadout or whatever. And so you become programmed to do this, you know, this job over and over again and with a redundancy that, you know just becomes natural and so you forget what you have at home so i think this part of time sitting down and relaxing and slowing down a little bit is kind of getting to smell the, the roses um and, and it but i'm i always fear that it will be soon forgotten <laughs> once the the checks start coming in and the buses start rolling yeah yeah i think that's fair how has what's been going on right now
0: impacted your day-to-day i would imagine you know i guess let me frame it separate, let me frame it a little differently what would you be doing right now versus what you are doing right
1: now? I, I was hours away from advancing a massive esports event that was going to take me from March till June 20th. And I was, you know, working on the budget and starting to make arrangements with the client. I mean, and it literally, you know, we, we'd have these calls and we're like, well, we think we can do it in my head. I'm like, <laughs> There's no way this is happening. The second Coachella closed, I was using Coachella as my metric, and that's what I was telling everybody. I'm like, watch Coachella. Because Coachella is going to be the determining factor of how the summer goes. If Coachella cancels or gets moved, then that, that's it. Then we're done for a while. And it, And I think within hours of that happening, it was just, you know, it was breaks. And so that's what I'd be doing. I'd be advancing. I had a bunch of corporate projects coming up. I was supposed to be in New York April 7th for – a car show. And so, you know, those those things are are gotten done. So, what I've done is I've taken a step back and I'm like, I'm going to use this time to do all the things that I've been wanting to do company-wise, whether it be restructuring, reviewing insurance policies, working on our new promotions for 2020 because I believe in marketing. So, I'm constantly sending email blasts out and doing our, our, our newsletters and all that, and, and now I'm, I've really put that into overdrive. But I've also been using this time to write to the governor, to the mayor, and to our president, and to other po- political figures saying, hey, look, we can do a lot with this industry that we have behind us in an emergency. If you guys need temporary shelters built, if you guys need power, if you need clean water, if you need restrooms, if you need things, fields turned into you know, hospitals in a a couple of hours, that's what we do. We can do this faster than anybody else in the world. And I I constantly send Mayor Garcetti in Los Angeles and Gavin Newsom. I've sent, you know, the White House officials, the CDC. uh, And some of my responses have been great. Thank you. Some of them have been, you know, on deaf ears. But I think they're crazy for not utilizing our industry to step up and say, hey, look, guys, we're in trouble We've got this venue or this venue and this venue. We need to be able to house three thousand here, two thousand here. And I guarantee you, with our production industry, with our little AutoCAD propeller heads—sorry, guys—that in that, Vectorworks that could whip up a plan in a couple of hours or half a day. And you know, with all of the resources that we have at our disposal, we could put a facility together in a day, no problem. And I think it's crazy that they're not taking us up on this because they're gonna need it. All, the, you know, all these little things that they're doing, I don't think is going to be enough. And I, don't, you know, I think they're still scrambling to figure out how they're going to do it and using the Army and the military. But we have the potential to put projects and, and venues together in an instant with really, really skilled workers that would be more than happy to come out of, of hibernation and support the community. That's fascinating. I, I, you know, as, you were, as you were describing that, I was thinking about
0: the um... – the SARS show up in Toronto back in, uh, well, I guess 2003. And yep. Apple, um, the, the short amount of time that show came together within. And I remember when it was being put together, um, having a conversation with a fairly prominent business manager. And he said, you know, there's only a handful of people on the planet that can do something like this in this amount of time. And they're the exact people working on this project. So it's going to happen. And, uh, you know, things like that are very difficult to do in an environment where there's bureaucracy, where there's uh, rigidity around procurement and things like that. It's not, you know, just write blank checks to vendors, but um, you do need to be able to move fast. You know, the idea that we could go in, build a stadium show in a day or two and then tear it down by the next morning. Um, I think there's some applicable
1: skills there. (laughs) Jake Jake Barry and and Opie would argue it'd be four hours, not another, not the next morning, but, (laughs) but but, but the thing is, is that, I mean, you know, and and I understand right now and and I'm not going to get political about this at all. All I'm going to say is, is that there's, there's a lot of reasons why we're not going to get involved right now or they're not going to call us. And, and 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 I understand that. I just think it's a shame because I think that we could do a lot of good and we could help a lot of people very quickly. And maybe we will, but I I uh, I'm not going to give up. I still actually write the letters every two days, and I send it to the same people. And I'm and it's going to be by repetition. It's my morning routine because they're going to need a lot of help, and they're going to need to have an infrastructure team that does this on a daily basis that gets all of the little cracks. And all of the details that most people are going to skip over, we'll see it. And, you know, how you would not take advantage of that is just beyond me. So when's your next engagement? When are you working again? Do you know yet? Well, I mean, you know, I've got uh, a couple of things in August, but I think that's optimistic. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, we've got... Um, you know uh, some of our our film clients we you know we've got uh, some special events that they want to do that are in July and and they're they're trying to to push forward and I I think that's optimistic I don't know if if what the rules are going to be the rules are going to change of how we're going to do live events like I mean even even if we have it under control we're still going to have it it doesn't just go away it's not like it's a demon that flies out of the sky so what I'm interested in is how does that change? Are, are, are we going to have a new protocol where, you know, I mean, we've even talked and I've, I've sent Dr. Oz and, and uh, Dr. Drew and, and some of the other people some ideas just to see if, if we could have done live events. This is right before we got on the lockdown, which is, hey, if, if, if we were to monitor people's temperatures as they went into arenas, what would that help mitigate or, or minimize the risk so that we could keep everybody employed? And, and I got a very nice letter back from Dr. Drew and he was like, the problem is, is that that person that doesn't have a temperature can still have it and walk into that arena.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and so it, it's, you know, and that's when we were still learning about it. But I mean, I was trying to think of everything because I, you know, I don't want to be the, the, the guy that saves the industry, but what I do want to do is keep employed myself and then everybody else. I mean, I, I, I want to work. I want to, I want to unload trucks and I want to build sites and I want to do venues and stage shows. And, uh, and so, you know, sitting at home was not my plan. And so I've, I've been looking for for other things, but I think there's going to be some protocol of, of in the future of how we're going to get people into the arena safely. And, and I mean, I can't imagine swabbing and testing everybody, but maybe it is going to be like China where you're going to get your temperature taken everywhere. Or maybe you're, you're going to be, you know, uh, spread out more so that they're going to do it in groups. Like you board an airline, you're going to go into the arena. I mean, it, it's still you're sitting in a tube just like a plane. But, you know, there, there's going to be some sort of worldwide industry change that we're all not going to like but it's going to be necessary. What that looks like, I have no idea. And, and maybe there won't. I think it'd be crazy for them not to. I think they really need to take a good, hard look at, at the way we do industries. I mean, two years ago, our big discussion was terrorism. How are we going to keep everybody safe from bombs going off at the arenas? And now here we go, and we're trying to talk about how we can get people into the arenas without dying when they leave. Oh, listen. People forget. I mean, especially if you know, if you've only if you've only come of
0: age in the last ten or fifteen years, um, there wasn't always uh, metal detectors. There weren't always pat downs. Yep. There weren't always bag checks. You know, it didn't always take twenty five minutes to get into an arena from the time you got into the queue. And uh, these things do become the new normal. So the idea that while you're going through that security checkpoint, you're getting swabbed, or there's a fever check, or there's some kind of sensor. I mean, listen, I, I have no idea how to, how to extrapolate into how this plays out in terms of things like entrance and egress, but um, you can certainly see it happening because we never, we never would have thought twenty twenty five years ago that we would go through the rigmarole that we go through, that you couldn't bring a purse into a football game. Yeah. Uh, Yep. You know, or that you had to have a clear plastic bag or that there'd be a business around providing lockers outside of a stadium. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I think that the, the full impact of this on the consumer experience, um, is yet to be seen. Uh, let me ask you this in closing. Um, what are you optimistic about? What's, what feels like, uh, there's an opportunity here for either you, your business, the culture, um, the industry, you know, I, I'd love to try to uh, put you on the spot and leave on a high note.
1: Sure. No, I I think that the, 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 the win is is that we're going to all as an industry have to be more creative and, and where the creativity comes in is budget. We're we're going to have to watch the bottom line for a little bit. We haven't been, I mean, you know, just look at the size of the stage shows and the production level. I mean, my God, they're just amazing. And I think, you know, the designers are going to get a swift kick in the nuts for the next two years. Of of the limitations that that they're going to have, they'll still have some of the A and B clients that can do whatever they want, and, and it won't be an issue. But I think that the designers and the production managers and management and the artists are all going to have to really take a step back and see what is the most financially viable for their you know for their audience that also is fiscally responsible to their audience, meaning that they, so that the audience can go buy tickets. And that's something that I think that we want to work on now with the managers. And, the, and, the, and it's, and it's something that I want to work on with the, the designers that we work with, which is, Hey, you know, when we come out of this, let, let's, let's have a different look on it. Let's not have the wow factor. Let's have the thank you factor for, because I get to enjoy the show and I don't have to pay, you know, $200 for a ticket. It's maybe 50, but I think industry as a whole has a responsibility to the consumer that supported all of us, every single one of us that's working. We need to give back to the consumer in a way that we've never given back before. And that is we have to watch our budget and we have to cut down our costs so that we can support the people that have supported us. Well, I appreciate your point of view and your
0: time. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. uh, Stay safe
1: and I wish you the best for your business. Oh, thank you. I wish the best for everybody's business.
0: Patrick Whalen, thanks. Thanks to our editor, Craig Snyder, and a big thanks to Aunt Taylor and the entire team at Light. If you would like to share your experience living in the new normal, hit me up at, at com. That's L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E at L-Y-T-E dot com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and stay safe.